0: around the lamp, and Aston Villa podcast. If at first you don't succeed, come back next year and try again. Aston Villa celebrates the pleasure of promotion to the Premier League. Oh, as soon as Jack Grealish was made captain, the script was written. Him lifting the Championship trophy, getting his boyhood club to the Premier League, he will always be Aston Villa's Jack Grealish. Hello and welcome back to episode 41 of the Gathering the Lamp podcast. As always, I'm your host Regan, you can find me on Twitter at FindFoy and I'm joined by Mark.
1: What is going on everybody, it's Mark Jaroby here, you can find me on Twitter at VillamarkPGH. we got all kinds of stuff to talk about today, pretty excited about it. Some of it's going to be a little bit of a bummer but we all know what happened this past weekend. So I don't know Regan, let's get into it man.
0: Yeah, I'm not excited. Um we're going to be talking about the dreadful performance against Southampton, of course. You know, what went wrong, how it went wrong, uh, some of Dean Smith's post-match press comments, and of course, the big day out at Wembley this coming Sunday. Now, the opening minutes of the game against Southampton, um you know, saw Southampton come out looking very lively, and they looked like they had the plan to press Villa early and often. The opening six minutes of the game was all in favour of the home side and, you know, balls were raining down into Aston Villa's box. Impressively, most of them were headed back out by Tyrone Mings, but it was really a sign of things to come for Aston Villa throughout the entirety of the
1: game. Yeah, it was kind of strange to see because, like, the first two clearances that Tyrone Mings makes very, very early into this game are like, oh yeah, Ty, come on. Like Tyrone's feeling it today, there ain't nothing getting past that back line, and then, like, Immediately, it was the third clearance, then the fourth, then the fifth. And, you know, you can kind of say a sixth that kind of scuffed off his head a little bit. But it's like, oh, no, is this is this how this day is going to go? Is like Tyrone Mings going to have to just, you know, mop up every single effort that comes at the back line? So I was happy about the fact that Tyrone Mings was being lively so early in the game, but it, it, really, it, it really signified what was to come in, the, in this contest.
0: Yeah, it certainly looked like Tyrone was up for it, especially early on. You know, it was. It was, uh, you know, ball coming in from every different angle and, and it always seemed to be Tyrone that was the one that was heading it away. Uh, it almost looked like we'd been set up for a bend but don't break kind of mentality, uh, after the, 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 I think it was a three, three nil, three one, three one loss, uh, at Villa Park. Um, but yeah, you know, no, uh, I think it was eight minutes into the game and Shane Long is there scoring his ninth career goal against Aston Villa. Um, you know, G- I don't know how to pronounce his name. I think it's Genepo caught a loose ball. Well, uh, following a pretty poor touch from Marvellous Nakamba and he managed to play a ball into the near post where Shane Long was able to tap the ball past Pepe Reina. Now, at, at first glance, it looks like he just gets to the ball and taps it past, but I'm pretty sure the ball bounces off his dick and goes into the net. Uh, Which is just, you know, uh, a, a sword rather than a dagger when it comes to the goal.
1: Yeah, it, it was like, again, we t- we literally just talked about it the last podcast that like the opening 45, even the first 15 to 20 minutes from Villa against Spurs, that was something that the team needed to do. And they needed to get that in their head that this is the way you need to start games in the Premier League. Doesn't matter who you're going up against. Doesn't matter where the league position is for your opposition. You need to come out the gates fast. You need to come out switched on, have some determination. And this did not happen. The Shane Long goal. I mean, you, you can't say that it wasn't coming, even though it was that early in the contest in the eighth minute um yeah Marlis Nakamba kind of just I think loses his head there for a second and that's that's kind of where it all kicks off but yeah you can't you can't start games like that you can't not be able to uh, just get passes to each other they didn't even look like I don't want to say they weren't trying because they're paid professional athletes I'm sure they're actually trying but it just nothing was working in that opening 10 minutes it was, it was such a strange sight from what we just saw you know less than a week ago against against Spurs
0: you could certainly feel that the goal come in from Southampton, you know, Villa have struggled to get out of their own half. And if it wasn't going to be in the first 10 minutes, it was certainly going to be in the first 20. I think Villa looked quite lax in terms of how they were how they were planning to play uh on Saturday afternoon. But really, you know, as you said, we needed Villa to come out of the blocks and and really kind of showcase what what they were going to try and do against one of the worst home sides in
1: the league. Right. And that's the whole other issue is that, like, the team, the Southampton's not good at home. It's almost like, you know, you're going into this game and m- maybe Villa knew that. Maybe they thought it was going to be a little bit easier and they were going to be able to roll Southampton over a little bit, but you can't go in the games again, no matter where the, where your opposition is on the table. Um, Villa aren't in the opportunity, to, aren't in the position rather to throw away points or just, you know, just lifelessly, you know, be into games. They need to be switched on. And they need to really make a go of it here. It's it's not very promising when you have uh, a performance like they had against Southampton, especially if you're coming out of the gates just stumbling like that, like they have in this contest. It was it was mind boggling. I was I was absolutely baffled from what I was seeing in, in this one.
0: I think everyone had had a bit of a bad game. Really, you know, you, you talk about it in terms of a full ninety, then yeah, you, you can say everyone had a bad game, uh, but. Really, the opening periods of the first half were just set the tone for the afternoon. You know, Pepe Reina worked his way into some trouble in around the twenty-minute mark as he tried to flick the ball to Frederick Gilbert on the right. You know, Gilbert couldn't win the ball, and that allowed a ball through to Danny Ings, who fired towards goal. Luckily, Reina was able to make amends with a strong save with his foot. For me, you know, it seemed even an experienced head like Rayner was having a, a bit of an off day. Uh, he, is, he is very adept at, at starting counterattacks and, you know, getting getting Villa to beat the press with the, his distribution. But for, for swathes of, of the first half, especially, Rayner just didn't look necessarily like he was too bothered for me.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think the same thing, and I, I, I've been giving him a lot of respect for what for what he's been doing since coming through the doors at Aston Villa. I think that his distribution was was very poor um, against Southampton. I, I think it was another thing to where, and we've seen it happen since he's since he's been here that sometimes he'll make a little bit of risky passes and he'll he'll kind of have a big risk of how he distributes the ball. I think in this game he just. He he decided on a bad time to have a really poor showing of his distribution skills. Um, I think a lot of that had to do with the way that Saints press as well, because obviously they had a plan coming out of the gates. They wanted to press Villa high. They wanted to do it often. They weren't going to be nice about it. Um, so I, I think with, in the case of Arena, it, it's just it was just like the the other ten men on on the pitch that they just they couldn't get it going. There was just something going on where everybody seemed to be pretty pretty lackadaisical. and it, it was. It, it's just shocking to see sometimes, man. And like with Reyna, you, you can't, you can't really have the opinion that he, that this is going to work him out of Wembley. I still think that's up in the air, whether it's going to be Nylon or it's going to be Raina. But after, after, you know, what what we saw through the entirety of the 90, you know, Reyna definitely suffered from the same kind of malaise that everybody else did on the pitch.
0: Well, yeah, he gifted uh, Yenepo another chance in the 26th minute. Uh it you know it, it was another clip forward that he would tried to tried to play and it it resulted with another shot coming down on his goal. Um and, you know this was the 26th minute but f- from the start of the game until the 15th Villa had touted an 80% passing accuracy of their 50 passes and they were holding on to just 38% of the possession of the ball. For me, you know, you don't want that ball going going forward to the striker for for you know the striker not to win it. But at the same time, it would make more sense to play it to one of the centre backs than to one of the wing backs, and try and you know get the players used to passing the ball. You know, increase the 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 possession or the amount of possession that Aston Villa had. And try and and try and do something different. You know, it hadn't worked already, but it was just something that Rayner really wanted to try and push. I guess.
1: Yeah, and and when there's a psychology um, in sports behind whenever things are going really, really wrong, and it's usually to just get it simple, get it as simplify the game as quickly. And as passionately as you can. And even if you're making one-two passes to each other through the center backs up to the wing back, wing back to wing, you know, things like that. Just very simple things. You don't have to lump it forward. You don't have to try cute, you know, overlaps. You don't have to, you know, let a ball go go through your legs for a let off or somebody else. Stop all that. Just get back to the basics. The simple stuff works. And Villa couldn't even do that. And I don't know if they tried to you know, get it a little bit more simple, but it just seemed like everything they were doing, it seemed like it, it never got to the point of having a fourth or fifth consecutive pass. It seemed that when they were lumping it forward, no players were getting up in the air it, it it was It was just really really strange to see and i there's there's no explanation for it. I think a lot of people, especially i've seen on social media, tried to throw a lot of like fancy stats and analytics at it, but like there, there isn't a metric for for determination and and villa definitely you know came up short against Southampton in, in that aspect-
0: determination is something I want to touch on uh, in regards to Anwar al Ghazi. He was replaced by Trezeguet in the 28th minute after he took a trailing arm to the face, and the medical staff had decided that the winger could not continue. Uh, you know, th- this became a bit of an issue on social media whether El Ghazi was determined enough to to play for Aston Villa. You know, he did get hit in the face with a trailing arm, and he did look in discomfort. Uh, there's, you know, there's been no word from the club whether he picked up a concussion or an injury to his jaw or orbital bone but for me you can't just have the hot take of he doesn't want to play granted he should have got off the field of play much quicker but you can't just sit there and and say this player doesn't want to play so he's getting subbed off you know you can't you can't say that Aston Villa are having a bad day so El Ghazi's not up for it i looked into how well El ghazi has been playing um Recently, before the Southampton game, and across his his full two seasons or two and a half seasons so far, uh, one and a half seasons so far. Apart, sorry, he is averaging, I think, two point six goal contributions per game, which is not bad for a, for a winger that you know has had to play in in a central position for a couple of games for Villa. And so forth, but the, the the big thing for me was the the deciding from from fans on social media that El Ghazi just had just decided that he wasn't up for it.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be completely honest. I I have a very skewed um, opinion on when players get hit in the face in the game of football, and it's only because of my opinions because I'm a giant ice hockey fan. I've loved ice hockey since I was about six or seven years old. Um, I've, I've watched the game. I've worshipped the game. I've, I've seen my team home and away. I've been all kind of you know different outings, and I've had a lot of fun being a fan of that game. Um, I don't think that Anwar Algazi wanted off that pitch. I don't subscribe to that opinion. I think that that's a really soft thing to say. On the other hand of that, I don't know that he got hit again. We don't know what happened with this. If he's got a concussion, a broken bone, um, there's, there's a lot of things in the face that can go wrong when you get clipped that way. But for me, just personally, it's always going to be a little rough for me to understand why players can't get themselves up off of the pitch when they don't have a giant laceration on their face. Again, this is more my opinion because of the other sport that I I grew up watching. So it's a little tough for me, but you see you've seen it all over social media they, they, you know there's the picture of Paul Merce being completely split open bleeding all the front down the front of himself, and then Algazi kind of just looking at his hand and it seems visibly you know just to look at it it doesn 't appear like there's anything wrong with him um, so i don 't like when people said that oh he's just having a poor game, he knows that villa's having a poor game, he just wants off the pitch i don't think that's the issue here. I think the issue to me is that unless it comes out that Algazi has concussion or some kind of bone issue in his face, that is incredibly soft to me and I don 't want to watch soft. Soft footballers. I want guys that are going to get up and be up for the fight. I don't want to have to watch people that get a little, you know, get a little rough and tumble, and they they, they can't get up and they don't want to face the, the the issue head on. So for me, that was the issue. I didn't think that he wanted off that pitch. I, I just don't. I don't know, man. That 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 wasn't a hard knock to the face. We've seen other players. I mean, I've seen Jack Grealish take a foul and hit his head off the off the pitch that. You know, looked harder than what than what he got, but again, it's my it's it's just my opinion, Regan. I'm not saying I'm right or I'm wrong. It's just it, it came off as incredibly incredibly soft to me.
0: Well, the thought at the moment is that he'd taken a thumb to the eye, and that his vision was a bit deteriorated. I guess um, you know, in in this case, it's it's whether he said I can't see properly, I can't continue, or whether the medical staff were like, okay, he, he's showing signs of concussion, or you know, his his vision is impaired. Uh, so he he can't continue, but obviously we won't know that until probably Dean Smith's presser before the Carabao Cup final. Uh, Villa had thought they'd equalised seven minutes before half-time as Samata had had the ball in the net, but the Tanzanian forward was flagged offside, and this was a pretty obvious offside. It was a great pass from Grealish to pick him out, but really the, Samata was, was miles off by the time that... Uh, The pass was played, so really you you didn't get any fans celebrating, I wasn't celebrating, Uh, but it's unfortunate for Samata who's looked strong going into his first couple of games as a Villa player.
1: I think he's looked really strong. And, yeah, I, I saw the flag go up as well, so I, I didn't celebrate it. But I, li- I like, you know, that, that that's a thing. I like the fact that Sam- Samad is showing the will to want to be in the correct positions, um, even though it was offside. So I guess it really wasn't a correct position. But you know where I'm coming from here. Um, I, I think that he's going to be really, really good for Villa. I think that, you know, it, bringing him in in the summer would have been massive. And I know that we, you know, brought in Wesley and, you know, we're kind of kinda of having troubles with not having like a big imposing body up front and things like that. But I think Samada's gonna get better. I think he's he's probably still just getting a little bit more comfortable to the speed of the game. Um so yeah, I, I had I had no complaints about, you know, this pass of play, him showing that he's going to get in positions to score a goal and and, and things of that sort. Uh did, did you think with, with um, you know, Samada Did you think he was going to be a little bit more dominant in the air because of the goal that he scored against Liverpool? Or are you pretty happy with how he is when the ball gets lumped from the back to the uh, the forward areas?
0: I don't think it's necessarily a case of him winning, you know, balls or second balls from goal kicks and stuff like that i think it's more of the fact that he gets himself into positions to you know give himself the momentum and and things like that when he's attacking a ball i think he's very adept at that but i don't think he has necessarily the height or the 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 know-how to to win balls the way that wesley was attempting to uh when they're lumped forwards
1: yeah i agree with that too i think that maybe that his goal that he did score against Liverpool I think a lot of people thought that he was just automatically really really good in the air I think it was just one of those things where he set himself right he got up in the air right twisted the head the right way and and it was a beautiful goal but um yeah it's kind of hard for me to to tell people they're like oh I thought Samad was going to be like you know this this you know big taller guy that's able to get in the air all the time I was like yeah he's actually really really well-rounded as a footballer and I think he will continue to get better for Aston Villa I just don't think that you can just look at a player like Samad and be like okay he's just good in the air I think he does a lot of things really really well rounded.
0: Yeah, I would have to agree. And you know, Villa went into the into the break 1-0 down and that really wasn't the issue. The issue with Villa was the the torrid first half display. No one really seemed to know how to pass the ball to one another. There were there were evident commitment and determination issues across the pitch. And players seemed to not know how to get out of the funk that they'd got themselves in. Do you think that was the f- worst first half of football played by Villa this season? You know, we've had some pretty bad first halves against Southampton again and uh, and Watford.
1: Uh for me yeah, this was this was really really bad. I mean to the point where like I think that Villa would have had problems going up against the usl team over here that's the second tier of, of uh, football over here i they just they couldn't get it together man and it, it was shocking you got you had players that you looked on last week against spurs and you're like that man you know this player stepped up so big even in the loss even though the way that we lost that game there's so many positives to take and I, i'm just hoping this squad of players isn't resting on their laurels till it's like hey yeah we're gonna go out there and we're only gonna try and really really put 110 percent effort in against the big teams and then you know end up you know still coming short um, yeah, Southampton, that was that was meant to be a massive, massive game. And we might even turn around at the end of the season as as we're sliding down to the championship, look back, be like, man, what it only could have been if the team just would have showed up on that day.
0: Yeah, I, I think luckily for us, a lot of other teams are, are having similar issues. Um, and I saw I saw someone say on social media that we're, we're likely to stay up even if we don't want to. Um because you know the results went our way over the weekend. Watford lost, Norwich lost, West Ham are playing Liverpool as we record this. So um, hopefully West Ham will come away over that with nothing and, and a greatly reduced uh, goal difference. But yeah, I think you know we we could have started pulling away here if we'd have picked something up from our last couple of games.
1: Yeah, this comes down lower in the notes. You know this, but um, like, are you sick and tired of looking at other teams' results yet? Because I know I am getting like, a, or I am getting like, increasingly annoyed at having to look every every single game to see like what else is going. On. I know that's how it is when you are in the bottom of the table, but like, I, I don't, I, I don't really want to have goal notifications on my phone for West Ham. Like, I don't want to, and like, I feel like it, it's like something I absolutely one hundred percent need to do now. Um, to be fair, I
0: am interested in into how the how the league pans out so it doesn't really bother me that much but i find myself looking and analyzing the 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 run-ins of each of the the teams that we're up against in terms of this relegation battle a lot more than i normally would
1: yeah I, it's just it's so weird like i definitely it went from like just being villa and just being like the pittsburgh river hounds the one i support over here and like just those two is like my notifications now all of a sudden i've got like <laughs> Bournemouth and West Ham, like even like their news articles are popping up. Like I'm, I'm looking at stuff like, oh, who's injured and you know who's having a poor game and who who, who's been doing really well and all of a sudden they just dropped off. So I mean, I guess that's how it is when you're in a relegation scrap. And now that I think about it, it was how it was whenever we went down you know i was constantly looking at other teams to see oh maybe we might be able to steal points here points here but man I, I i just wish that they would have got this three points you know against southampton and at least made a little bit of a buffer zone and at least you know it was positive going into the weekend at uh, at wembley i agree
0: um so villa started better in the second half but they continued to invite pressure from southampton and by the 55th minute mark villa had looked to have lost their way completely in the game you know, there. I think there was a, a big disparity between how many shots Southampton had had on goal compared to Aston Villa and I think it took a good 70 plus minutes for Aston Villa to even register a shot on target. Uh, Rayner was booked in the 71st minute as his own attempt at a headed clearance was clumsy before he ended up battling with uh, Shane Long for the ball and he pushed the forward to the ground. It wasn't a red; it was a deserved yellow. But it was just another case of of, of laxness uh, at Southampton. You know, you had the, you had the couple of poor passes that he'd he'd played, and then the decision to to come out for this ball, and you know the the poor attempt at a header. And it just seemed like nothing was going to go our way in that game. You know, if even if Rayner was having a bad game, then you can't expect the rest of the team to have be be having a good game, you know what i mean?
1: Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you. Um there are a lot of shouts from where i was about, you know, maybe that Reyna could have been sent off for this, but i don't think so. I think it was just a, a I hate using the word when it comes to these guys, but like it was kind of like a lazy option to what he was trying to do. So i think the yellow is justified. I think that Reyna was probably growing increasingly frustrated with what he was seeing going on in front of him because I'm sure from his point of view from where he's standing the entire game he's probably like what in the freaking hell is going on out there you know so he can't be happy about it you know and you know we'll get on to a little bit with Dean Smith about training ground players and stuff like that but you know if, if Raina sees it in training and sees that the players are playing well and then it gets to the game and you know it, it's time to get a big result and they're not performing I'm sure he'd be just as upset as anybody else
0: Yeah, and Reina wrote his name into the match report once more in the third minute of added time, as uh, you know Villa had a corner and Pepe Reina went up for it. Southampton obviously ended up countering with Reina struggling to get back to his goal, leaving Gilbert to defend the open goal alone. Armstrong was able to reach the ball on the counter and fire into the open net as the last move of the game. For me. Obviously, he would have probably asked for permission to go up for the corner. But for me, I don't think it was necessary. I really don't. I think if we were to go down on goal difference and it was one goal that that sent us down, I would be looking back and thinking, there's the goal that we gifted Southampton because Pepe Reyna went up for a corner. I think... Yeah, it would have been nice to get a point from the game, but at this stage, goal difference is so important, and I just, I just, as
1: I said, I, I really don't think it was necessary. Man, you're gonna make me sick. I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about the fact that Villa goes down and it's by goal differential and it's by one goal. We're all gonna think, but like. You know, th- I mean, there's multiple other goals. Don't get me wrong. Villa's given up an entire barrel full of goals this season that we can look back and say that shouldn't have happened, That player is out of position. That's an individual error. You know, came up against a, a more quality team. But y'all, oh, man, that would be absolutely like heart wrenching stuff if, if that's what it turns out to be. I can't believe you said that, man. You're gonna make me sick.
0: You know, it's it's really unlikely that that's going to be the case. But if it was to be, I would be, lo- you know, looking back and thinking, "Wow, Pepe, you've you've fucked us here, mate."
1: yeah no and like that's that's definitely possible i honestly Regan I didn't even give that a, like a thought like not not even for a second i just i I figured maybe he just wanted to go up and and see if he could maybe you know help out the cause a little bit but i mean immediately I got the text messages and the messages from people from you know you know different social medias like oh where was you know they're non-Villa, you know, uh, supporters, but they're like, "Oh, where was Pepe Reina?" He was up for the corner. Like, calm, calm down. Like, you know, he was, it, you know, was trying. It's been a terrible game. We're just, you know, just basically get me out of here. You know,
0: <laughs> you know the, I've seen cases in the past. I remember one, and it was uh, it was Man City against someone. It was back when Joe Hart was in goal for Man City, and Joe Hart's up for the corner, and uh, the team that they're playing against starts to counter, and Joe Hart. Absolutely sprints back um, into his own half. At first, uh, the team that they're against take a shot, and and Joe Hart managed to get get there and tip it over the bar, or tip it around the post. I'll send you the link after after this podcast. But for me, those are the only kind of players or the only kind of keepers that should be going up for for corners. Not thirty seven or thirty eight year old Pepe Reina, who's going to struggle. You know, he'd already struggled to reach the ball to head it away. So, as I said, it's the goal difference for me. It's the reasoning as to why I'm thinking that way. But I don't know. If it was Nealand and goal, I'd have said, yeah, go up for it. But not right now.
1: <laughs> yeah it makes sense and there was you know i, I saw a lot of opinions about that too of like if rain is going to go up he needs to make damn sure that he's going to turn around get on his horse and get back into his own end to at least try to stop a counter-attack if it does materialize but yeah that that's a valid opinion that's that's a valid point as well uh yeah you, you maybe uh, he just doesn't have the legs to do stuff like that and again like i'm I'm not sure that he actually got the nod to do it or if he just went and did it himself um you know pepe rain is a proud man you know experienced former world-class goalkeeper so maybe he did just take it upon himself but again if we're going to talk about goal difference that is not the time to to go up for a corner at all absolutely
0: after, after the game a bit of fake news hit social media in the form of a Twitter account with a few thousand followers tweeting that BBC West Midlands' Mark Regan had reported that John Terry and Dean Smith had had a bust-up and almost got physical when heading down the tunnel at the full-time whistle. You know, This was quickly dismissed by Dean Smith and Mark Regan, but it sent Villa Facebook and Twitter into complete meltdown. And this is not what we need right now. You know, As Tyrone Ming said, speaking to club media, that fractures... Aren't what we need at this stage in the season. Fractures between fans and players, fractures between the matchday squad, and things like that. You know, th- these kind of things are going to affect us, whether or not they're true. There's going to be someone that's gone into work this morning and sat down and said, "Oh, did you hear that John Terry punched Dean Smith or whatever?" And yeah, it's it's. <laughs> Uh, you know, you you can argue it might not have been a Villa fan. You can argue it might have been a Blues fan or a Wolves fan or whatever. But these are the kind of things that we need to not let get to us at this stage of the season.
1: Yeah, this was a strange one because, like, I, I followed the Twitter account. I'm not going to say the name. I'm not going to out anybody for you know the uh, the holder of the Twitter account claimed that he heard it from a very reliable source. Um, if I would have made that claim, I would have told that person. You know, that, you know, I'm never trusting anything that you say ever again. Um, But yeah, Dean Smith came out and said it was bullshit. Mark Regan came out and said, you know, for the sake of my job, I have to say that, you know, I absolutely didn't witness anything like that anywhere near close to it. But Villa doesn't need this kind of, I'll say it, they don't need this kind of shit right now. They don't. It's, it's total horseshit. Um, you don't want this kind of toxicity coming into the club again. Um, you know, it's fa- false rumors and false claims are going to happen. Um, that, that, that's the nature of the beast. You can be getting wound up by a rival fan or you can have someone that just needs a little bit more attention um, in their life. Uh, social media is really, really good for that kind of thing as well. So as far as like the rumor, man, like as soon as I saw it, I remember messaging you and being like, what is this nonsense? And then literally within not even 10 minutes, Regan dismissed it uh, or Mark Regan dismissed it rather and Dean Smith you know dismissed it it's just strange strange times why someone would make something like that up i cuz Dean Smith and John Terry don't seem like the type that would ever come to blows, no matter how bad it's going to get. Um, you know, this was a poor performance, and, it, you know, the the away atmosphere wasn't great. We we know that from a couple of people we've talked to. But, yeah, this, this kind of, like, weird fake news thing is just such such a strange thing. I think it's a sign of the modern times more than it is anything else.
0: Yeah, there was a bit of drama in the stands as well that happened with uh, Max Stokes and, and co. of Villa on now, we've spoken to Max, so we have a bit of a, a deeper idea of what's going on. But the you way know, Villa support grew incredibly agitated with Villa's performance on the pitch, and some called it a very toxic atmosphere at St Mary's. You know, but at, 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 we're not going to speak on Max's behalf, but we can denounce any kind of threatening actions at football matches, regardless of whether they're towards you know a, a social media influencer per se or to any other fan, you know, it's completely unacceptable and wrong that people think violence is the only way to get their frustrations out, especially to people that are trying to provide content for you. But, you know, what can we do about supporters turning on each other when the team isn't performing well? You can't you can't ban alcohol, which is likely the cause of this. You can't necessarily ban um that the person responsible, I suppose, because there's probably fighting at Villa Park. There's fighting at every stadium every week. What what can we do to kind of improve the the way that that people react to bad performances?
1: I think it's got to be the same as anything else where you're talking about a stigma, and I think this is a stigmatized thing. Uh, you know, no one wants to see in-house fighting with supporters. It doesn't matter what sport you're talking about, but it does happen. I think I've, I've witnessed it probably a lot more than than the average um person just like i said like being really big in the ice hockey i've I've been home and i've been away i've been everywhere um and i've seen it happen i've been the victim of it myself um it's it's not fun it's it's a really scary situation because you don't really know what's going to happen but when it when it comes to terms when you're starting to have problems with your own supporters that's definitely a cause for concern um i don't know the answer of how you stop it or how you alleviate things these things from happening i think in the case of max um I think that he's kind of a figurehead as far as, you know, people, people rely on him to put out some really nice contents. And he's, he's, you know, this isn't me being disrespectful to max in any which way, but, but he's easily identifiable because his face is everywhere when you're talking about Aston Villa. So I think that he turned into a shouting box or a punching bag for somebody, um, because of you know if the team's not going well and this guy you know obviously puts everything he's got into his content where then you know, I, I need to I need to tell him how I feel and I I need to you know get my frustrations out towards him and that's just such the wrong way to think about it I think it says more about what th- those that person or those people have going on in their lives more than it has to do with Max, you know, just trying to do his thing. So it's really sad to see. And it's, it's really bad to hear about. You never, you never want to hear about stuff like this going on, especially with Aston Villa supporters. But I I think it's just one of those things where you have to, you have to stop this as soon as possible. I'm just not sure what the answer is. I mean, is there, is there any kind of initiatives over there in the UK about, about this kind of thing? Or is is it, you know, I I'm, I'm a little ignorant to how this, this whole thing gets taken care of.
0: It would be a case of reporting, reporting it to the club. I would suppose. I don't think there's any, uh, you know, laid out initiatives to to stop in this kind of thing. But you know, the the amount of support that has come out for Max uh, after this happening is is a sign of of how well respected he is in in the community, especially the social media community. So I would think that people will, go, will be keeping their eye out uh, for Max. ...going forward, which is obviously a positive. Um, In regards to frustrations in the stands, you know, there was frustrations in the dugout as well. Dean Smith didn't hold back either when talking to the media about his team's performance post-Southampton. He said, my feelings are embarrassment with the performance. Uh, The thing that hurts the most is the lack of fight, and I take full responsibility. But it has to be the lowest of the low. The defeat at Watford was bad but this was on par. They've let themselves down with their own personal performances and we got beaten and deservedly so. There were too many training ground players. You've got to perform on a match day and too many players didn't. Our quality just wasn't there. Some of them have played their way out of a cup final. What do you make of these statements from Smith?
1: I think he's got our right to be really, really angry. I think that his team completely let him. Down, I, I think they let the supporters down. I think they let the, the club down. It may it seems like that might be a little bit of a dramatic statement, but if you really actually go back and look at the game against Southampton, there were there were some complete passengers on that pitch, and I'm not I'm not going to single out players. It's there for anybody to see if you want to go go back and watch that game or even even the extended highlights. You can you can literally see. You know, guys walking back into their own third of the pitch, that's not going to cut it. That's not going to keep in the Premier League. Um, As far as, you know, him saying that uh, players have played their way out of the cup final, i love to see that, or I'd love to hear that, rather, but... He needs to cash in on that, and he needs to actually show that he's serious. I think that you know it's it's a really nice story with Dean Smith being a Villa fan and what he did you know last year to get us into the Premier League. At the same point in time, I need to start seeing a little bit more grit from Dean Smith, and, and I like this honesty. It may not be in his personality, you know, to kind of you know scream and shout and, and get get real agitated and angry with his players. Um, I'm not there, so I don't know. But this is definitely a good step in the direction of hey, if you're not going to play for the club and you don't want to play. For for yourself and you don't want to play for me you're just not going to play and that that's final and I think it's got to be no matter what player it is because lord knows that uh, any any one of those 11 and that that includes Grealish that includes Douglas Louise anybody anybody that was on that pitch I, I think your spot should be questioned for the f- the final at Wembley we all know that Jack Grealish isn't going to get benched but I mean I definitely think that if he's going to make these kind of comments he's got to back him up and he's got he's got to roll out something a little different against Man City on Sunday
0: Well, yeah. Whilst the Southampton game was one to forget about quickly, no one can deny the monumental challenge that lies ahead for Villa in the League Cup final as well. You know, with Villa coming such off such a dreadful performance, what do you think happens at Wembley? Are we in for a rough afternoon? You know, Jack's come out and recently been quoted as saying that he has two goals in mind presently to win silverware for Villa and to get into the England squad. And this could be the best or potentially last, depending on what happens chance that Grealish is ever going to get with Aston Villa to win win silverware? Do you think there's a Grealish masterclass on the cards?
1: I'm thinking so. It's going to be the only chance that he's got to do it, right? So he might as well put everything he's got into making sure that he'll he'll be able to lift a piece of silverware and know the, the playoff uh, the, the championship playoff Trevi does not count um, but yeah th- I mean this is probably going to be the best chance it's the best chance he's had up until this point other than you know the FA Cup against Arsenal so uh, I don't know it it's it's gotta be just just play. Just go out there, give it your all. You never know what's gonna happen. Don't get destroyed, you know, six nil and, and just, just try to go out there and have some fun and, and do the, the the absolute best you can do. That's all I'm looking forward to the Sunday. It's gonna be a great day out. Even for me over here, I I got a bunch of friends I'm going to the pub with. Be drinks flowing, singing some songs, having a good time. That's all I'm really looking forward to for Sunday.
0: And that sounds like the perfect way to end this week's podcast. As always, if you have enjoyed it, please give us a subscription, a comment, a review, a like, or whatever, on whatever platform that you are listening on. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter, at Villalamp. You can follow us on Instagram, at Under a Gaslit Lamp. And you can follow us on Facebook, forward slash Under a Gaslit Lamp. If you haven't heard already, we are allowing pre-orders of our volume two of our magazine. Uh, You can go and see or pre-order that at www.underagaslitlamp.com and then click the store tab. Thanks for listening, guys, and up the villa.